Ah, there you are. Hello, how are you? This is Craig Beck from StopDrinkingExpert.com and welcome into our usual get-together, our Wednesday little AMA support session. I uh, hope you've had a good week. Let's say hello to a few people. Um, Donna, welcome. Bonjour, Craig. Finally on time, having figured out that Cyprus time is one hour ahead of France time. Yeah, uh, the same as uh, Greece and Turkey. Uh, Trish, good day from Florida. Haven't been to a Wednesday live AMA in a bit. Feeling a bit blue lately. That's because you haven't been to an AMA, Trish. Uh, day 125. So I'm back for a boost. You really lift the spirit and motivate. Thank you, Craig. Well, welcome, Trish. It's good to have you here. Uh, Paul is here. Afternoons, you're from sunny North Norfolk. Um, fallen in love with sobriety. Excellent. The clown popped up last week after two and a half years of sobriety. Star jumps, finger tapping, and a pint of water worked. Wow. What was the trigger, Paul? Do you know what triggered it? Were you in a unique situation you've not been in for the last couple of years? Or was it, uh, I don't know, uh, it can be anything, you know, that triggers. It can be a smell, you know, so a smell that you haven't smelt since you were drinking. Anything can trigger you. Uh, who else we got here? I'm sure I've missed a few people already, but let's see if I can uh, catch up here. If you've got any questions, by the way, fire them up and I'll do my best to give you a half decent answer. K2 is here. Good morning, group. Peace to all. Stormy, uh, good morning from Arizona. Social situations are slowly getting easier. Good. Hima uh, from Germany. Hi there. Welcome. Um, what else we got? El Ali. Good afternoon to all the sober and non-sober yet people. Um, Hima, it's difficult to get over FOMO. I'm an introvert. At social events, I get bored easily, feeling as if I was wasting my time and want to be alone. With alcohol, I become a sociable person and can enjoy myself. All right. Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. That's that's me exactly. Let's come back to that point in a minute. Let me put a little star on there so I remember. The one thing I wanted to talk about today, I will say hello to you. Please put your comments up and I'll catch up with you in just a second. There was one thing that um, happened this week I wanted to share with you. I did a coaching session this week. Well, I did a couple, but one of them stood out. And I was speaking to this guy and he kept coming back to the same point over and over again. You know, I was I was saying to him, why do you drink? What does it give you? How do you know it's time to drink? All these, you know, my usual questions to try and get to the, uh, try and get to the kind of the programming in this head that is incorrect because there are no benefits to alcohol, yeah? So it's trying to find that erroneous belief to try and drill down on it a little bit. And he kept coming back to the same statement. He kept saying, well, you know, it's just habit, isn't it? It's just habit. And it's not habit. So I kept I kept pushing him a little bit more, but he kept saying, "Oh, you know, it's just habit." Uh, and I think you know we we say that we we call our drinking a habit because it helps dilute it a little bit. It helps diffuse it. You know, if you you know if you start using language around yourself, you know, in the terms of alcoholism, alcohol use disorder, alcoholic, they're all very aggressive, nasty words with a lot of stigma attached to them, aren't they? They, you know, but if you if you try and you know in your self talk you refer to yourself as having a bad habit, it kind of feels nothing, doesn't it? It's like oh yeah, you know, I've got a bit of a bad habit, so what? But you know, alcoholism is not a habit. You know, it's an addiction. If you're an alcoholic, if you're a full blown alcoholic, you have a physical addiction to the drug alcohol. If you are a problem drinker, but you're not physically dependent on it. 
You have a psychological addiction to a drug. But it's not a bad habit. You know, and if you're, you know, if you're the sort of person that uses that language, I want you to see what you're doing there. You're dismissing it. You're, you're playing down the problem because thinking about the problem in its true detail causes you pain and you don't want to do that. So you dilute it. You make it wishy-washy. But, look, you know, picking your nose is a bad habit. If you pick your nose a lot, you have a bad habit. But if you are a nose picker, you probably don't spend the whole day thinking about six o'clock when you can have a good old pick, do you? <laughs> You're not spending the whole day planning the next session of nose picking, are you? You see what I mean? You know, if your wife or your husband says to you, right, tonight we're going out somewhere very sophisticated and at no point tonight will you be able to pick your nose. You don't have a tantrum and say, well, that's it, I'm not going then. It's going to be rubbish. That's going to be the worst party ever. Why? Because it's just a bad habit. It's not, it's not something you obsess over. You don't spend your whole day planning your nose picking activity. Whereas if you think about it in terms of alcohol, you do do that, don't you? You spend all day thinking, oh, I can't wait for that drink tonight. Oh, I can't wait to get home and open that bottle of wine. Or if your husband or your wife says, well, we're going to this function tonight and there's no, no alcohol there, you won't be able to drink. You genuinely get angry, don't you? You're like, well, that's just going to be the worst night ever. This is going to be the most boring night of my life. So that's the difference between the two. You know, the habit is eh, you know, something you picked up, but it's not dominating your life. You're not OCD about it. It's just something, you know, it's like not using your indicator when you're driving. It's a bad habit, but it's not something that dominates your every waking moment. So if you're here now and you're still drinking, don't refer to what you do as a habit. It's not. It's not. This is an addiction. Now, alcohol is the second most addictive substance on planet Earth. It knows exactly what it's doing. It's just behind heroin. Kills three million people a year. Don't dismiss it and say it's just a habit. Okay, let's say hello to a few people I missed. Uh, Desiree uh, in Rhode Island, hello. Uh, Emily is in New Hampshire. Uh, what else we got here? Mick, oh, welcome in, Mick. Good to have you here. Uh, Nicole, I'm very shy. Drink gives me courage or a lack of censure, of course. Okay, that's going to come in with Hema's uh, comment from before. We'll talk about that in a bit more detail. I just want to say hello to a few people. Diane is here. Good to see you back, Diane. 6 a.m. Palm Springs. Nice to wake up clear-headed and ready to be inspired. No pressure then, huh? Lara, hello. Uh, Victoria, um, what time is it in Cyprus? It is seven minutes past four in the afternoon, Victoria. Um, Laurie is in South Dakota. Nick is in Taiwan. Um Todd is in California, 1.5 years sober. Now I just have to lighten up on the caffeine consumption. Just switch out the caffeine in the morning, Todd. Switch over to the decaf. That's what we did. Um, let's have a look. Pamela is here. We've got Kathy in Wales. I love Cyprus. Which part of Cyprus do you visit, Kathy? Are you a West Coast Paphos girl or are you a East Coast Iron Appia party queen? Which one are you? Uh, Lisa's in North Dakota. Nancy's here as well. White Eye. Uh, uh, are you in the right room, White Eye? <laughs> is astral projection demonic? Do you see spirits when you leave your body? Uh, okay. 
All right, let's go back to this uh, question here from Hima. Um, it's difficult for me to get over fear of missing out, FOMO. I'm an introvert, and at social events, I get bored easily, feeling as if it's I'm wasting my time and want to be alone. With alcohol, I become a sociable person and can enjoy myself. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Hima, because that's me. And in fact, in all honesty, in 12 years of doing this, I would say the number of people I've dealt with who are introverts is at least 70%, 70% plus. Um, even higher than that, when I do one-to-one -one coaching with people and they start describing their life and they start describing why they're drinking, and it's so obvious to me they're an introvert. And basically, by the way, the definition of introvert and extrovert, introvert, the, the way you answer this question is, let me ask you this question. At the end of a long day, what is your default? What do you want to do? Do you want to go home and be on your own and be quiet? Or do you want to go out and party? Or do you want to go out and be with other people? What is your default in that situation? The answer to that question will tell you whether you're leaning towards introversion or extroversion. Um, I believe I am what I would call an introverted extrovert in that I can be an extrovert when I want to be, but it sucks all the energy out of me. Uh, and that comes from working in broadcasting for 20 odd years, 30 years, you know, I was often performing, but it was tiring because I'm an introvert, really. Um, so what you're doing there, Hema, is you're, you're actually turning off a big chunk of the power of your brain. You know, when you've got an introverted brain, it's a gift. It means you've got a very powerful brain up there. It's always going, it's always thinking, it's always planning, it's always seeing opportunities. And that's an amazing gift to have. But just like everything else in life, it's in, it's in balance. And you can't just have all good. You can never just have all good. It has to be balanced with bad. And so the gift side of what you have there in your head, Hema, is that creativity, that ability to see opportunities. But the bad side, the curse, is that it doesn't stop. It never stops. It never gives you any peace. It's always going and it's always not always positive thoughts. You know, it's it, us introverts, we tend to be warriors. You know, we tend to be always thinking about what can go wrong. And especially, you, I found this accelerated massively when I became a father. When I became a father, I not only had to plot everything that possibly could go wrong for me, but I then had to start plotting everything that could possibly happen to my son. And it drove me crazy. So it's a gift and it's a curse. And what us introverts discover along the way is alcohol slows it down and gives us a bit of peace from the noise. And you're like, oh, this, oh, the, I love the, oh, this is amazing. And that's why I think so many introverts get a drinking problem because they, somewhere along the journey, they find alcohol and it helps just give them a little bit of peace from that. But unfortunately, While it turns off your brain and stops that incessant noise, it also turns off all the good stuff. And so what happens is your life slows down and you just start living a mediocre life because you've effectively found a way to reduce your intelligence, to reduce your brain power by a significant amount. So now you're not seeing those opportunities. You're not thinking creatively. You're not coming up with stuff that other people don't think of. You are living a bog standard life. 
You are no better. You are no more intelligent. You are no more emotionally intelligent than the next person. And your life begins to reflect that. You look around your life and everything is just kind of mediocre. You're in a relationship, but it's not a great relationship. It's not, you know, you've got problems. You've got a job, but you're not a high flyer. You're not getting promoted. You've got some money in the bank, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe you've got more debt than you have savings and, and so on and so on. And this is kind of what happens. So the problem, Hema, what you're saying here is drinking allows you to be a little bit more stupid so you can socialize and fit in with the crowd and avoid that fear of missing out. But the price you pay for that little, tiny, tiny benefit is massive. It's massive. It's, it's, like, it's like me lending you my car and saying, here you are, here's the keys to my car, Hema. Um, bring it back in 24 hours, uh, and I want $50,000 compensation. It just doesn't make any sense. And so, yes, you do have to kind of find a way to deal with social situations differently. Um, and you will go to less social events. I don't see any way around that. But drinking is not the solution to the problem because the price is just too big. And so me personally, I go to less parties. Um, I consciously force myself to go because, like I said, I'm an introvert, so I force myself to go, and I leave earlier than I would do. You know, back when I was drinking, I'd be one of the first ones there, and I'd be leaving at four in the morning absolutely hammered. These days, I turn up about the same time as everyone else, but I'm probably home by 10 p.m., and I wake up in the morning having slept all night, no hangover. It's all good. So... I think that's just a sticking point in your head, Hema. You just have to find another way to look at socializing because the answer is not alcohol. Uh, and I'm afraid that, you know, there's no quick answer where I say, well, you, you know, just take this tablet and you get the same effect. This has to be an internal solution to an external problem. I hope that helps. I'm not sure if it does. But anyway, it's all I've got. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. James, been to Prague, where beer is very cheap, I hear. Uh, success after two weeks in Beer City. Had a great time. Good man. Excellent. Uh, Veneta, Veneta La Pera. That's a very cool name, isn't it? Good morning. Uh, Angela in Sydney, Australia. Welcome, Angela. O'Nell is here. Uh, Bourneville, uh, moving house soon. Stressful, huh? M. Davey, hi from San Diego. Um, uh, Vladimir in Killeen, Texas. Just trying to see if we've got any questions popping up here. Um, Paul, a medium rare ribeye steak and the association of a large Malbec. Steak was still delicious. Yeah. That whole red wine thing is overplayed, though, isn't it, Paul? Um, I noticed earlier in the refrigerator, my wife's bought a big carton of red grape juice, and it made me laugh because I still meet people occasionally who say, oh, you know, I, I do want to stop drinking, but I, you know, I, what I'd like to do is just keep having, you know, the odd glass of red wine for the health benefits. 
<laughs> and I always think, why, if you're so concerned about the health benefits, why don't you drink red grape juice? Why does that never enter your head? Why, what, drinking red wine for the antioxidants in the grape skins of the red grapes that have been used to make the wine is a bit like, is a bit like putting bleach in a glass of orange juice and saying, I'm drinking it for the vitamin C. Well, don't put the bleach in it then. What's the bleach for? Just drink the just drink the orange juice. To say you're drinking red wine for the health benefits makes no sense at all. Because the alcohol absolutely, completely counteracts any health benefit from the red grapes in the in the liquid. So if you're genuinely drinking it for health benefits, don't put the alcohol in it. <laughs> that just seems crazy to me. But I still hear it all the time. Nuts. Ellie, good morning from St. Augustine, Florida. Starting to love my sober life. What do you love about it, Ellie? What's good? What has changed? Give us details. Uh, uh, Nikima, Delaware here. Nine months sober. Birthday coming soon. Uh, and I don't want to fall off the wagon. Okay. Um, so what are you doing for your birthday, Nikima? It just, you know, these events... They just need a little bit more planning. Yeah, find if your pre, if your friends are planning to take you out, you might just want to have a quiet word with one of them, you know, to find out what the details are. You don't want to be taken on a, a you know a vineyard tour for your birthday, do you? You want, don't want to be taken on a pub crawl that's going to visit twenty bars in over the space of a night. It just needs a bit of planning, um, and you need people to know around you that you don't drink. You don't want to spend your birthday fighting off peer pressure, do you? So as long as the people you're going out with uh, understand your situation, they understand you don't like alcohol because you don't like the way it makes you feel, um, and, and this is important to you, then there are other ways to have fun. There are other ways. Just don't, don't do exactly what you always do for your birthday because you're going to fire off those psychological anchors all over the place, like Pavlov ringing his bell for his dogs, you know? Uh, Elaine... Hello, handsome. Oh, might shave my head more often. Uh, from the northeast of Scotland, day 298 here. Uh, you've got icicles, uh, Elaine. It's June. <laughs> Is it cold there now? Looking forward to the one-year mark where I'm worried in case I think, what now? It won't, look, I, I don't think you need to worry, uh, Elaine, because... It seems to me people fall off the wagon when they stop worrying. Uh, and just like uh, Nakima said, she's worrying about her birthday party. You're worrying about that one-year anniversary. That's, that's, not, that's not when people fall off the wagon. And that's got, that's got nothing to do with alcohol. That's pure human nature. It's like when you pass your driving test, for the first couple of months, you're driving around super cautious, aren't you? You're concentrating. Nobody can talk to you while you're driving. You're like, no, I'm, I'm concentrating. And you're doing everything precisely, and oh, you're scared, you're scared, you're scared. And then after a few months of driving, you start to relax, and you start listening to the radio while you drive. You, you, now you're comfortable, now you're chilled out. That's when you have the accident. So the one-year point can be a bit of a trapdoor, but as long as you're conscious about it and you don't fall for that little voice in your head that says, 
a year ago, Elaine, you stopped drinking and it was so easy. Maybe you didn't even have a problem in the first place. And even if you did, look how easily you stopped. You just stop again. So just one drink won't hurt. And you go, yeah, I did stop it easily. Yeah. And maybe I didn't have a problem. And maybe I can just have a free glass of champagne on this flight to wherever. Remember the five most dangerous words on planet Earth. Just one drink won't hurt. And if you ever hear yourself saying that, punch yourself in the face as hard as you can. Remember this moment, because that's the last thing you're going to think or say before something very bad happens. Uh, Rob, uh, yeah, we'll talk about logical levels again soon. I'll do a video on that. Um, I just missed a comment there. Just This screen bounces around a lot. Wookie Cat, good morning, Craig. Happy to be here. Uh, Pencaps100, um, asking a question about joining the course. Uh, look, here's the um, – there's, there's kind of two ways you can join the program. There's the light version, which is just like a very basic version of it, and you can do that through YouTube. YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube now, you'll probably notice there is a join button at the bottom of the screen. If you click on join, it will let you get access to some exclusive members videos. But it's not the full members area. If you want to do the full course with all the bonuses, with all the benefits, with all the coaching, then the first thing you need to do is attend the webinar. So if you go to stopdrinkingexpert.com and sign up for the webinar, uh, then you can go to that. That's absolutely free. And I will talk you through how the process works and why it's so different to everything else you've tried before, why it's different to AA and cold turkey and willpower and all that sort of stuff. So, and... If you like what I'm saying, if what I'm saying makes sense to you and you think, yeah, I want to give it a go, then you can join up at the end of the webinar. Now, the reason I don't make it easy for people to join the course, you can't just go to my website and click join now and then you're in, is because I want to make sure that we're a fit for each other. I want to make sure that my process is going to work for you. So I don't, I don't want everyone to pile in and for you know half of them to have a good time and half of them to hate it. I want to make sure that people who do the course love it. And that's probably why if you go to any of the review websites, I've got like straight five-star reviews because I'm a bit selective about who comes in. But if you're interested in doing the course, PenCaps 100, uh, go to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com, sign up for the webinar. That is step one. All right? Uh, <laughs> Nancy. Gross, Craig. I'm guessing you're talking about my uh, nose-picking analogy, yeah? Um, <laughs> yes, K2. My ex-wife called me at 8 p.m. last night, needed me to drive across town for my daughter. Glad to be sober. I talked about this in a video. Um, if you go on the YouTube channel, you should be able to find it. Uh, it was last week, I think. It's one of the benefits of quitting drinking that hardly anyone ever talks about, the fact that you're available. You know, imagine if it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. Your daughter rings you, crying her eyes out. Something terrible has happened. And she says, Dad, Mom, I need you. Come help me. Imagine how you feel when you, when you know you can't because you're, you're, you're drunk. You can't get in a car. You either get in the car and save your daughter 
and get a DUI, or you just don't respond, or you have to ring round trying to find someone else to go and help your daughter? Do you see what alcohol does? And can you imagine how amazing that feels when, I mean, it's not amazing to get a call like that, but how good you feel about yourself that you're able to jump in the car and go straight to your daughter's aid. It's an amazing benefit. Nobody ever thinks about that when they stop drinking. Um, <laughs> Trish enjoyed the nose picking analogy. It's true, though, isn't it, Trish? Nose picking is a bad habit. Drinking alcohol to excess is not a bad habit. Pick your nose if you want, but don't drink alcohol. If you pick deep enough, you might be able to get to the evil clown. Um, Uh, Carolyn, I love hearing all the positives, but I can't seem to get through a few days. Carolyn, I think you've you've been on here a few times saying that, haven't you? You need you need to try something different. Um, because if you keep if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same result. So I, I would encourage you to do something dramatic. To, um, I don't know what you've tried in the past. But um, if you've done my course, then you could go to AA and see if that works for you. Uh, if that doesn't work for you, you can go to your doctor and you can ask for a medically supervised detox and you can ask to be put on some medication to help you, like naltrexone or antabuse or something like that. He might say yes, he might say no, but if he says no, you go and find another doctor. Uh, you could go to rehab. You could um, try one-to-one -one coaching. You could try finding a mentor. But Carol, and, uh, Carol, don't stop trying. And don't stop twisting and turning and trying to change the approach. All right? Don't just keep doing the same thing over and over again because you'll just keep getting the same result over and over again. Hi, Gary from the Ozarks. Uh, hi, M from Atlanta, Georgia. Um see <laughs> uh, what I heard you talk about anchor points and the worst for you is your recliner did you get rid of it I'm trying to figure out how to deal with the anchor points because I have a lot um, uh, yeah I did get rid of it but kind of life my life was very fluid around that time um, basically what when I quit drinking, it was the lowest point in my life, not just because of the alcohol, but everything had gone wrong. I'd just been fired for the first time in my life, uh, and I'd had to move like 200 miles away from the family home to just to get a job in, in the radio industry. So I was only going home at weekends, and I was staying in a flat. So my life was a complete disaster. So I don't even remember getting rid of the recliner, but I must have at some point. But yeah. Um, Good morning, Donna Walter, being three and a half months sober, suddenly getting comments. People that don't know I quit on my appearance. I am radiant, glowing. I know it's the absence of alcohol. This is a huge perk. It's either that or you're pregnant, Donna, but probably the alcohol. Um, El Ali, uh, I love now bumping into people I know. I always look good, fresh and productive. I'm loving the sober life. Thank you, Craig, really. Good man. Excellent. Uh, 
assuming you're a man, could be a woman. Um, Johnny Cola, even though I have no intention of going back on the alcohol, my mates still say, go on, have a beer. Yeah, of course. Um, and what do you say? What's your response to that, Johnny Cola? Because uh, they, they want you back in the loop. Because people drinking poison for fun do not like being reminded that they are drinking poison for fun. So they need as many people around them as possible to also drink poison for fun so they can look around and get a visual confirmation that what they're doing isn't stupid. And they especially like it when they can look around the room and they say, oh, there's Dave, he's a doctor and he's doing it. He's a very smart man. Oh, look, and there's Nigel, he's a lawyer and he's doing it. He's a very intelligent man. All these intelligent people are also drinking poison for fun, so therefore I'm all right. So when you stop drinking, they don't like that. They don't like that. Causes them a problem. Amanda loves the haircut. <laughs> Amanda, I'm, I'm nearly 48. I've reached that point in my life now where most of my clothes are for comfort and my haircut is for convenience. <laughs> um, Sonny B, Q&A, Craig, can you explain the difference between subliminals and hypnosis? Uh, well, they're kind of similar. Um, they're both forms of communication designed to go into the subconscious mind without go first going through the conscious mind. Um, the only difference is with, with hypnosis is you're aware of it being done. Whereas a subliminal message is trying to sneak past everything. It's trying, it's, you're probably not aware of it being done. You remember the old experiments of inserting frames of drinks into movie, um, movie reels. And then you'd be watching the movie and you suddenly feel like you needed a drink. You suddenly feel like you're thirsty. That was the old subliminal kind of cuts that they used to use. Um, whereas hypnosis, you, you're probably aware that the hypnotist, the hypnotherapist, is attempting to put something subliminally into your brain. All, all of this is to avoid the conscious mind because your conscious mind is like a guard dog. It's like the guard dog sitting at your front door waiting for the postman to come, the mailman. And the mailman is the hypnotist. And if he just walks straight up the path, then the, the guard dog is going to attack him and he's not going to, get, he's not going to be able to deliver the mail. So what hypnosis does is it, it's a technique to kind of distract the guard dog, to throw a ball for the guard dog and then deliver the mail. That's, that's as simple as I can put it. Um, but they're very similar. Ah, Virginia's hiding away on, on your break to watch. Very good. Um, Sarah Jane, have you read the book? I'm guessing that's for someone else, not me. Um, Garp, eight days, no drink. Very good. Kathy, fan of Limassol. Uh, oh, Nissy Beach. Is that Nissy Beach? <laughs> Brad David, I love how you say that using alcohol is like using a loan shark. It is. It's like using that new feature on your iPhone. 
buy now, pay later. Donna, any suggestions on how to deal with the continued paranoid thoughts that others are watching, assuming I am not definitely sober? How to regain trust? Definitely. Time is the only thing, Donna. Um, if you mean you've got people in your family who you've let down in the past and you've promised them you're going to deal with this, um, if that's what you mean, unfortunately... Uh, your words are as um, have as much value as Boris Johnson's words. They're worthless, really, um, because they've heard it all before. You know, they've, they've probably heard you say many, many times before that you're going to deal with this, you're going to sort it out. The only thing that's going to fix this is time. It's just continually re repeating the good behavior, the good, the good uh, routines in your life. Let them see you. Christmas sober, a vacation sober, your birthday sober, and let them see it several times until they stop thinking about the old ways. That's the only way, really, unfortunately. There's nothing you can do um, beyond show them, unfortunately. Sorry, not a great answer, but that's all there is, really. Um, uh, I'm going to get your name wrong. Uh, Givido, is that right? Two months sober, fantastic. Um, are you killing me with the names today? <laughs> uh, Shibangeli, is that right? It's a nice name. I have a question. How not to be judgy of people that choose to drink? Claire. Ah, oh, now I can see you're called Claire. Uh, yeah, well... That's not, that's not going to, that's just like being one of those recovered smokers, isn't it? No, everyone hates those people. Nobody likes the, you know, the, uh, the recovered smoker. Um, you know, quitting drinking is always something you do for yourself. Uh, and most of the people that quit drinking because their wife told them to or their husband told them to fail. It's only when they come to the decision, I'm doing this for me because I love me and I need to start looking after me. And so if this is all about you, then why does it matter if anyone else drinks? It doesn't, does it? You, you may love them, you may care about them and want the best for them, but you don't need to say anything to them. They will be able to see your life and how it's got better and how much better you feel. And if at any point they want to replicate what you've done, they will come up to you and ask you. You don't need to sit in judgment of them because it serves no purpose. And in fact, the opposite is more likely to be true. You know, the more you judge, the more they'll drink because you're causing them psychological pain. You're causing them anxiety. They know they shouldn't be drinking poison for fun. It doesn't make any sense. They know that in the same way you did. But when you get judgy with them, they get anxious. And what do problem drinkers do when they feel anxious? They drink. So, Claire, you judging people is going to make them drink more. So if you want to do them a favor, step back. Yuri. That's on a similar vein. How do you convince someone to slow down or stop? How firm should you be? Uh, you can't order someone. You can't order someone to stop drinking. Um, 
I, th I think you can be a guiding light. You can make sure that they get the good information. You can gently lead them in the direction that you went in. But you kind of have to take your lead from them. You know, you, um, when, when I trained to be a coach, uh, we, we did a lot of work on just asking questions, not giving an opinion. Uh, and when you're a coach, you, you're just trying to encourage the other person to arrive at a destination rather than saying, this is how you get there. So you might just want to, you know, ask them questions. You know, how is alcohol making you feel? What do you think your life will look like if you don't deal with this? What would your life look like if you did deal with this? How is this going to impact your relationships? To try and get them thinking, to try and get them into that zone. But don't push too hard because the harder you push, the more they'll pull. Pavlina, hello. Um, Mary Beth, your language here. Drinking has caused me to be an introvert because of the way it has ruined my social life. I used to be an extrovert, but it's ruined my life. <laughs> uh, the chances are you were always an introvert, Mary Beth. Um, but alcohol made you an extrovert because it made you a bit more stupid and less likely to run a proper risk assessment of your situation and less likely to um, be aware of what's really going on. But, you know, that's, if you're saying that stopping drinking has ruined your life, then you're in the area of sounding like a dry drunk there, Mary Beth. You know, you have, there's no alcohol in your body, but you're miserable. And that's not really the solution you should be aiming for. Um, it, it would suggest that while you've stopped drinking, you haven't dealt with the reason why you drank. The, you haven't dealt with the reason underneath the drinking. If you go to my website, stopdrinkingexpert.com, and have a little bit of a dig around, you should be able to find another course of mine uh, called Unleashed from Alcohol. It's got nothing to do with quitting drinking. It's purely about finding out why you were drinking in the first place. might be worth a look. Ah, sorry, El Ali. I'm a woman, Craig. <laughs> Called you a man. Hey, it could have been worse. I could have made that mistake in a nightclub, couldn't I? But uh, there we go. Judy Cook, two years and two months. Oh, yeah. Two years, two months, saved over £9,450, bought a new car with my savings. How good is that, eh? Um, Mohammed, how do you deal with people inviting you to drink? Uh, I've told you my the best line you can use, super simple. I don't like the way it makes me feel. If these people know you and they've known you for years and you've got a reputation as a drinker, you can, you can modify it and you can say, I don't know, just lately, I just don't like the way it makes me feel. And the reason I love that line so much is that I don't think there's any comeback to it. Because if you say, oh, I'm just having a bit of a health kick, I'm taking a break from it, or I'm doing dry January, or... You know, the doctors give me some tablets. They can still come back and say, well, can't you just have one? Or just, come on, just have one to be sociable. Because you're implying that you'd love to have a drink, but you can't. And they're, they're thinking, well, I'll help you by encouraging you. When you say, I don't like the way it makes me feel, what are they going to say? Well, can't you just feel a little bit bad for me? No, why would I do that?
let me put this uh, this guy needs to go in the bin it won't let me for some reason let's see what else we got here El Ali, do you offer one-to-one -one sessions? Yes, El Ali. If you go to stopdrinkingexpert.com, it should say on the top menu bar. Um, yeah, I should give you details. Sarah Jane. <laughs> I love your profile picture. Uh, I recommend your book to everyone. It's a miracle worker. Thank you, Sarah Jane. Um Emily, I was watching a weekly series where the people drank frequently. I had to stop viewing it because it made me want to drink. Yeah, because, you know, TV and Hollywood portrays alcohol in a positive light. And it's subconscious, isn't it? It just wears away at you. Tony K, I'm drunk right now. Tony, go to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com. Book in for the free quit drinking webinar. Make sure you're sober when you attend it, okay? Oh, Alex, I wonder what you're talking about, Alex. Uh, around 512 days now. Who are in the plaques and pictures? If it's not family, private, thought, maybe it is heroes. But um, I don't know if you'd know any of them. They're all English actors and comedians. Um, who's up there? There's Joan Sims. She was an actress in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, Will Hay. He was an actor, a comedian from the 1930s and 40s. Uh, Cannon and Ball, English comedian. Sid James is up there. Uh, oh, they're all kind of old English actors and things. They're, they're all signed. They're just my heroes from a childhood. All right, we're going to wrap up soon. Uh, we've done 42 minutes, so let's just have a look for a last question. Ah, Mary Beth, I got this wrong way around. I haven't stopped drinking. You don't understand. Since I started drinking, it's ruined my social life. Right. Okay, Mary Beth. I get you. Um, uh, what do you do about the, uh, thank God it's Friday friends who constantly send pictures of their cold Guinness and how happy they are every Friday. Should I tell them to stop? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have that problem. Um, do they know you've stopped, Amanda? Um, this is why you know. I always say, don't hide your sobriety. Uh, wear it as a badge of honor. Don't be ashamed about it. Um, I did a, a coaching session this week with a guy, and he said the problem I've got, Craig, is in my work, everyone expects you to have a drink. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to sell as much uh, if if I can't have a drink with my clients. And I said, but that's that's in your head. That's not reality. That's just that's the way you are conditioned to see it, you know. And it's almost like you're ashamed of not drinking. You're you're embarrassed because you don't drink, and that's not how you should be. That's that's viewing this through the distorted lens that we live in this world. That it's the people who choose not to drink the poison who are the strange ones. That doesn't make any sense at all. Being sober is something you should be proud of should be something you own. That's why I walk around with those sobriety T-shirts on all the time. Um, because I want people to know that I don't drink. Um, 
And if they ask me why, I'll tell them. But I don't hide it. And I, if if you're, you know, it's a bit like um, if you were a vegan, Amanda, and proudly a vegan, and all your friends knew you were a vegan, would they all be sending you pictures of pork chops on a Friday night? I don't think so. Because you'd be like, uh, why are you sending me this? And maybe your response should be the same. You know, if everyone knows that you're sober and happy about it, then your response should be, uh, why exactly are you sending me this? Why do, Why would you think I'm interested in this? Because I'm not. Um, yeah, that's just my thought. I just think, you know, own it, be proud of it. Uh, I'm looking for my last question here. Mohammed's right. He says, I'm 51. Um, from your generation, when I go to the supermarket, it's shocking the sheer variety of poison that's available. Uh, there was so little variety when we were growing up. That's true, Mohammed. You know, I remember going to the uh, supermarket with my mom when I was a kid, and the alcohol section, I think it fit into less than a quarter of one supermarket aisle. It, there was like three, <laughs> there was like three different types of wine and maybe four different types of beer, and that was it. Now, they have three full aisles of alcohol, toffee liqueurs, banana liqueurs, this liqueur, this wine from every region in the world, champagne, Prosecco. It just goes on and on and on because it's good money, isn't it? All right, look, we're going to wrap up now. Thank you very much uh, for joining in the usual Wednesday session. And if you are worried about your drinking, do yourself a big favor and book yourself on the next free quit drinking webinar. Thanks a lot. See you next week. The Stop Drinking Expert course isn't just an excellent way to deal with problem drinking. According to Trustpilot, it's the best way. Rated number one in addiction treatment centers. Number one in alcoholism treatment programs on the entire Trustpilot platform. Number one in mental health services. Number one in psychotherapy. And number one in wellness programs. If you're serious about dealing with your drinking, Get the best, most successful, and most respected solution. Book your place on Sunday's free Quit Drinking webinar now.